we've focused on Jesus and what Jesus came to do for us through, the, through His life, His death, His resurrection, and His ascension into heaven. So we, I've, I've looked at all the things that we believe as a church and cr- tried to distill them down so that everything is focused on Jesus. Is that all right? Because Jesus is really all that matters, right? Jesus is our Savior. Jesus is our healer. Today we're going to talk about Jesus as our baptizer. And next Sunday we'll talk about Jesus as, as our, is, uh, our soon coming King. So today I want to focus on Jesus who is our baptizer. Talking specifically about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Oh. How many of you have ever heard that phrase before? Baptism in the Holy Spirit. How many of you have never heard the phrase, you don't even know what I'm talking about? Okay, I I see those hands. Okay. Well, that's what we're talking about today. Y'all ready? Lots of scripture today. If you have our app, you can follow along in the app. And this morning, as I was getting ready for service, God dropped some more and said, you got to do this. And I was like, okay, it's already so long. So if if the sermon is too long today, don't blame me. Blame the Lord because he dropped more scripture. I'm sorry. I can't figure out. I'm not to blame, all right? So I just threw the God card on the table, all right? There he is. All right. When Jesus returned to heaven after his successful rescue mission as our Savior, he made us a promise. And the promise was this. He was going to send the Holy Spirit to take his place here on the earth. He wouldn't physically be here with us anymore, but he said, I'm going to send you someone else. He said this in John 16, verse 7. But I tell you the truth, it's for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send Him to you. Who is this that replaces Jesus Christ in our life? Who is it? Who is this Holy Spirit? And frankly, I I think that many in our culture today, many in our churches are kind of like the Ephesian believers we read about in Acts chapter 19. This is one of the scriptures the Lord wanted me to share with you this morning. So you go, and and I'm going to read it and, and not really discuss it a whole lot, but think about it for yourself when you get home. We're a lot like the Ephesian believers. We don't know who the Holy Spirit is. We don't talk about it much. Francis Chan calls him the forgotten God. Here's the story about the Ephesian believers. Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus on the coast where he found several believers. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed, he asked them. No, they replied, we haven't even heard there is a Holy Spirit. It's like a lot of us today. Then what baptism did you experience, Paul asked. And they replied, the baptism of John. Paul said John's baptism called for repentance from sin. But John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. As soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in other tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. At the end of this service, we're going to ask all of you who want more of what God has for you in the Holy Spirit to respond. We want to lay hands on you and pray that God would just fill you up till you are overwhelmed and consumed by the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. If you want more of Jesus, today's your day. The Bible teaches us that the Holy Spirit is God. That He is the third person of the triune Godhead. 
I want us to be clear, the, the Holy Spirit is not a power. He's not a force. He's not an energy. He's not like the Star Wars force. He's not an it. No, the Holy Spirit is a person. The Bible tells us that like a person, the Holy Spirit has feelings. We can grieve Him. The Holy Spirit has a mind. He thinks. The Holy Spirit speaks. How many of you know when the Holy Spirit is speaking to you? You've already experienced that. Sometimes it's like a still, small voice. Sometimes it's as loud as thunder, doesn't it? seems like. He's a person. And as the third person of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit has work to do. Among other things, it's the work of the Holy Spirit to convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Human beings can preach and teach the Word, but it's the Holy Spirit's job to bring it home and cause us to do something about it, to put it into practice in our life. The Holy Spirit's work is to guide us into all truth. The Holy Spirit helps us know, understand, and apply the truths of God's Word so we can become the person God wants us to be. Chris was telling me this morning about a group of you that were gathered, and he was doing some teaching, and he said, I could see light bulbs going on. You know why the light bulbs were going on? Because the Holy Spirit was bringing it home, helping you to make sense of what he was saying and helping you understand how, how do I put that into practice in my life. The Holy Spirit also works to regenerate us. The human spirit, once dead in sin, is made new again by the power of the Holy Spirit. John 3, 6 says, No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the Spirit. You see, it doesn't matter really what your intellect has to say about Jesus. It's what your heart does with Jesus and what it knows about Jesus. The road to hell is about 18 inches. The road from heaven to hell is about 18 inches. From here to here. A lot of people know, the devil knows who God is, knows who Jesus is. It's the Holy Spirit's job to make us new, to birth us again into the kingdom of God. The Holy Spirit works to glorify Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit who makes Jesus real to us. It's the Holy Spirit who helps us see Jesus for who Jesus really is, the Lord and the Savior of our lives. It's the Holy Spirit's work to sanctify us. The Holy Spirit works with the Word of God to make us holy, to bring us into conformity with the nature and the character of God, to recreate in us the character of Christ, to produce in us the fruit of the Spirit that makes us live and act like Jesus. It's the work of the Holy Spirit to empower us. The Holy Spirit gives us power to witness and to demonstrate the good news of the kingdom of God. He gives us spiritual gifts that help us serve in the kingdom of God more effectively. You know what I think the perfect church is? The perfect church is a church in which every gift of the Spirit is in action and where every believer is producing the fruit of the Spirit. Can you imagine a church like that? I want to be a church. I want to be part of a church like that. That's the kind of church I want Christian Life Fellowship to be. Where the Spirit, the, the fruit, the, the gifts of the Spirit are all in operation and the fruit of the Spirit is being produced in each individual life. Can you imagine what a blessing that would be? Well, now the Bible clearly teaches that everyone who truly repents of sin and accepts Jesus Christ as Savior has the Holy Spirit living inside of them. Romans 8 9 says, and if anyone doesn't have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. So this is what I want to make clear. If you have given your heart to Jesus, if you have received 
Him as the Lord and Savior of your life. At that moment, the Holy Spirit came to live inside your heart. The moment we place our trust in Christ Jesus, the Holy Spirit takes up residence in our life to do His work. So every follower of Jesus, every follower, how many of you have put your trust, your hope in Christ Jesus as the Savior and Lord? The Holy Spirit right now has You've been born again by the Spirit, and the Spirit of God right now lives inside your heart. That, that's, that's just the truth that the Bible has made so clear. So every follower of Jesus, to some degree, experiences the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit in their lives. He transforms us from the inside out. The Holy Spirit convicts us of sin and convinces us that Jesus is our Savior. The Holy Spirit opens up our hearts to the truth that makes us free. The Holy Spirit exalts Jesus in our life and creates in us the desire to love and obey Him. The Holy Spirit produces in us the life of Christ. The Holy Spirit gives us the, the gifts we need to serve God and His purposes. Every follower of Christ has the Spirit of, uh, the Holy Spirit already in their hearts. And the Holy Spirit is already at work in your life. Let's get that truth down. That's why I went through all of that. I want you to know the Holy Spirit's already working in you. Okay, you get that, right? But the Bible goes on and says something else, we believe. The Bible goes on to say something else. The Bible also teaches that we can expect more and receive more from God through the Holy Spirit if we want it, and ask God for it. It's called the baptism in the Holy Spirit. It's an experience that's made available to every believer in Christ Jesus. Where we can receive more if we're through the Holy Spirit if we want it and ask God for it. John the Baptist talked about it in Matthew 3.11 when he said about Jesus, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me will come one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not fit to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Jesus is our baptizer. He wants us to experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit for ourselves. And that's why He came. It's part of the Gospel. And then Jesus Himself talked about it just before He ascended back into heaven. Jesus spoke to His disciples and said, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift My Father promised. The gift My Father promised. It's a gift. What do you do to... What, what do you have to do in order to enjoy the gift? Receive it, right? Okay. But wait for the gift My Father promised, Jesus said, which you have heard Me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days, Jesus said, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Jesus is our baptizer. It's part of the Gospel. It's part of what Jesus came to do for us. Now the word we translate... Are you guys still with me? I know. I hope it's not too dry. We're going to get to some good stuff later on. I'm trying to lay a foundation here, a theological foundation for us all, okay? Because all the experience in the world means nothing if it can't be backed up by what the truth of God has said. Okay? The word we translate baptize in the Greek word baptizo means to immerse or to submerge or to envelop completely. 
Not only, listen to me, this, this is really important. Not only does Jesus want to place His Holy Spirit in us when we experience the new birth, Jesus wants to totally immerse us, completely submerge us in His Holy Spirit. Jesus is our baptizer. Let me put it this way. I'm thirsty, so it's a great time to use this illustration. Let's pretend the water, we know that water is a symbol for the Holy Spirit in, in the Word of God, right? So I think it's pretty appropriate. So when we come to Jesus and we surrender our lives to Him and He comes into our hearts, we experience the new birth through the Spirit. He places His Spirit in us, right? Ooh, that's good. Let me do that again. But what if Jesus places His Holy Spirit in us, and then He says, i got another experience I want you to have. I want you to dive into this ocean full of water and completely submerge yourself in it and be immersed in the Holy Spirit. You see the difference? When we're born again, we get the Holy Spirit placed inside of us, but when we're baptized in the Holy Spirit, it's as if we plunge headlong into the Holy Spirit Himself until we're completely submerged or immersed in the Holy Spirit. That's what baptism means. To be completely submerged, to be enveloped completely. When we're saved, we receive a drink of the Holy Spirit. He comes to live inside of us, but when we're baptized in the Holy Spirit, it's as if we are plunged into the vast ocean of God's presence and power. Man! Why would... Why would Jesus want to do something like that for us? Why would He make this experience available to us? Why would Jesus want us to be baptized in the Holy Spirit? And that's a great question, and I'm glad you asked it. You see, when we're saved, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us primarily to reproduce the life of Jesus in us. The Holy Spirit is placed inside of us to reproduce the life of Jesus in us to recreate in us the image of Christ, to help us become people of integrity, people who are increasingly growing in holiness. But Jesus wants more for us than that. Jesus also wants to baptize us in the Holy Spirit so that He can reproduce us in us or through us His ministry. Let me say that again. Jesus wants to baptize, uh, baptize us in the Holy Spirit so that He can reproduce through us His ministry. Jesus wants to baptize us in the Holy Spirit so that through us, He can demonstrate the power and the authority of His kingdom. And for that to happen, we need to be immersed in a power greater than our own. If we're to serve and minister in the kingdom of God as Jesus would, we need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. We need to be submerged, immersed, completely enveloped by the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. Now let me, let me try to explain what I'm talking about. You remember when Jesus began His ministry? Luke 4 tells us that when Jesus began His ministry, He went to His hometown synagogue in Nazareth 
And he read to them a prophecy from the book of Isaiah. And here's how Jesus starts his ministry by identifying himself with this prophecy in Isaiah. Listen to what he says. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And He has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. Jesus was making an announcement to the world, this is what I have come to do, but I have come to do it in the power of the Spirit that has anointed me to do it. Now listen, guys. If Jesus looked to the Spirit as the source of His power and authority to do what He did, and we know that we have been called to do the same because we are part of His body, don't you think we need the power and the authority of the Spirit in operation in our lives too? How much more do we need it than Jesus Christ, the Son of God? Paul goes on to describe our need for the baptism in the Holy Spirit in 1 Corinthians 2.5 when he says this, My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. I'll be honest with you. Too many of us are trying to do the work of God without the anointing of the Spirit of God on our lives. And that's why we're so helpless and hopeless in doing what we're trying to do. We're trying to use our own wisdom, our own strength, our own knowledge, our own experience to do what only the Holy Spirit of God can do through us if His anointing rests upon our life. No one better illustrates what the baptism in the Holy Spirit means to an individual than the experience of Peter. He's like our favorite guy in the Bible. We identify with this guy. He was such a screw-up. You remember Peter. Peter was the guy who spent three years traveling with Jesus, hanging on every word that Jesus said. Peter was one of Jesus' best friends. Do you remember what Peter did when the going got tough on the night that Jesus was betrayed and placed on trial? Do you remember what Peter did that night? He dropped Jesus like a hot potato. He disowned Jesus three times, one time to a little servant girl that couldn't possibly have been a threat to him. Peter, that's my man. Just 40 days later, just 40 days later, after the sorriest moment in Peter's life, when he disowns Jesus three times, the resurrected Jesus gave to Peter and others some last-minute instructions. Just before Jesus was taken into heaven, Jesus told Peter and about 119 other people, He said, don't leave Jerusalem. But wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then Jesus went on to say in Acts 
But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now to Peter's credit, to Peter's credit, he heard the instructions of Jesus, and he waited with 119 others in an upper room in the city of Jerusalem for the gift that had been promised to him by Christ, this Holy Spirit that would give him power. And in Acts 2, we're told what happened when the Holy Spirit fell on Peter, cowardly, sniveling little Peter, and the rest of the disciples that waited and tarried and prayed and waited 10 days, a 10-day prayer meeting. We can't have a prayer meeting for 10 minutes. But they were willing Whatever it costs me, all I want is you. And we sing the song, but then I wonder, really, are we lying to ourselves? Whatever it costs me. Well, here's what happens. And you guys already know the story. I'm not telling you anything you don't already know. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place, Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now that would have created quite a ruckus in the city of Jerusalem. Windows open, suddenly 120 people are speaking in other tongues. Many of the, the languages they were speaking were recognized by the, by the crowd that began to gather. Outside, as a, as a result of all the commotion, the crowd began asking a lot of questions about what was going on. Some of the crowd even began to poke fun at the strange and unorthodox behavior, saying the disciples must be drunk. You've read the story. You know what happens. But then suddenly, a man steps out from those 120, and he begins to address the crowd. This man began to speak with a loud voice. And this man began to confidently and boldly explain what was happening in the place. This man courageously preached the good... Now, this was the same crowd that just a few days before had been screaming at Jesus, crucify him, crucify him. This was the same crowd that forced the hand of the Jewish leaders to put Christ on the cross. And now Peter's preaching at them. We know who's preaching. He's preaching at them, telling them, you're the ones that did it. That's pretty bold for a little sniveling coward that was running away from servant girls just 40 days before. This man fearlessly called this crowd to repent. And he fearlessly called this crowd to turn from their sins so that they too could be forgiven. And as a result of this man's boldness and courage, 3,000 people in that crowd were saved that day. Man, what happened to Peter? Why the sudden change from chump to champ? What happened? What happened was he was baptized in the Holy Spirit, is what happened. And he was given power to do what he could never have done in his flesh. He was given the power to do when the Holy Spirit came on him. He was able to preach and bring people to repentance. The boldness, the confidence. The baptism in the Holy Spirit made the difference in his life. 
And what Jesus did, listen, this is really important that you hear me. What Jesus did in Peter and what Jesus did for Peter, what Jesus did through Peter by baptizing him in the Holy Spirit, Jesus wants to do in us and for us and through us by baptizing us in the Holy Spirit too. How do you know that, Mark? How do you know that? Well, let me read to you the two last verses in Peter's sermon that he preached that day when 3,000 people came to the Lord. Acts 2, 38 and 39 says, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord God will call. The gift of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, is for us too. It's for us too. I don't know about you. I get tired of feeling weak and powerless in my walk with Jesus. I grow tired of feeling confused and overwhelmed by events happening around my life. I feel, I'm tired of feeling faithless. I'm tired of lacking boldness. I'm tired of feeling cowardly. As I try to do things in my own strength, in my own power. And I'm here to tell you that the Bible promises you don't have to feel that way anymore. That you can live and serve Jesus with courage and boldness and power and authority. You don't have to withdraw. He wants you to step out. You don't have to duck down. He wants you to stand up. When you pray... You can see people healed. When you speak to them about Jesus, He can drop in your spirit words of wisdom and knowledge that will bring them to repentance. The same power, the same boldness, the same authority given to those early apostles on the day of Pentecost, and we see it play out throughout the book of Acts, is the same power, the same authority that's given to us today. If we'll see it as a gift from God and receive it and live in it and walk with it. I don't know if I've convinced you yet, but I'm convinced. I want to be immersed in the person and power and presence of the Holy Spirit. I want to walk confidently and boldly into the unknown. Wherever you lead me, I'll follow. No fear. You see, this is a promise that's been made to us by God. And unfortunately, a lot of us are like those Ephesian believers. We just don't know much, much about it. And I... 
there's so much more to say about it. This is a starting point where I hope you to go home and do some research of your own about what God wants to do, not just in your life, through the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, but what God wants to do through your life. As you surrender yourself to the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. The Old Testament prophet Joel prophesied and he said in chapter 2, verses 28 and 29, in the last days I will pour out my Spirit on all people. Say those last two words of that sentence with me. All people. Say it again. All people. Not special people. All people. It's a gift for us all. You got that? Oh, Mark, you don't know what I've done. If I'm telling you. All people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. No doubt in my mind, we now live in the last days. And the baptism of the Holy Spirit is for us all right now. All right now. And through this experience, Jesus enables us to do more and be more than we ever thought possible. You see it happen in Peter's life. What Jesus did for Peter, he wants to do for you. Well, how, Mark? How can we experience this baptism in the Holy Spirit to the same life-changing degree as Peter and those early disciples? Well, here's how it is. Y'all ready? I'm just going to throw out four things to you real quick. I want you to think about these things because we're about to go into an altar call where if you want more of the Lord, you can come and we'll pray with you. We'll lay hands on you just like they did back then in, in Ephesus. We're going to do the same thing today. We're going to pray with you that God will give you everything He wants for you including the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Here we go. How can you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit for yourself? How can you yourself experience this life-changing power and anointing on your life so that you can do here today what Jesus and the early disciples did back in their day? First, make sure that you're in a right relationship with God. Make sure you're in a right relationship with God, that you are trusting Christ Jesus as your Savior that you've repented of sin and put your faith and trust in Christ Jesus. This experience, this gift, this promise is only available to those who have already placed their trust in Christ Jesus. According to the New Testament, the only people who ever experienced the baptism in the Holy Spirit were already followers of Christ. Maybe you're not yet a follower of Christ, but you want what the Lord offers you here. Your first step would be to bow your knee at His throne and give your heart and life to Him. Bow your knee at the throne of Jesus Christ and receive Him today as your Savior. The second thing you need to do is ask. Seems so simple. James says we don't receive because we don't ask. Ask Jesus to baptize you with His Holy Spirit. You think Jesus is going to withhold a gift from you? He's a good God, right? A faithful God, a loving God, He wants to give you everything that you need for life and godliness. It's already been provided for us. Listen to what Luke chapter 11 says. Which of you fathers, if 
your son asks for a fish, you give him a snake instead. Or if he asks for an egg, you give him a scorpion. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? The Lord is here, and He wants to bless you by immersing you, baptizing you in the Holy Spirit. Make sure you're in a right relationship with God. Ask Jesus to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. Third, receive it like a gift. Receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Look, here's the deal. Jesus is not going to force this experience on you. He's not going to cram it down your throat. Jesus will not insist that you take something you aren't really sure that you want. I can try to give you a gift, but if you don't want to take the gift, you don't have to. It's the same thing here. But Jesus, and this is what you need to understand, Jesus is willing to give us whatever we're willing to receive. It's already ours. All we have to do is receive it. Mark eleven twenty four 24 says, Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it. Okay, Sean, I need your help here. I've asked Sean to help me with a little illustration. Now, a lot of us are going about life and ministry. And yeah, go on out there so they can see it, Sean. A lot of us are going about our life and ministry. Yeah, it kind of scares me too. Kind of like a drill, a power drill that's not plugged in. The Lord has given us things to do. The Lord's given us things to do. Uh, some of you are moms, and He has called you to be a mom that leads your children in the way of holiness and godliness. And you're trying to be a good mom, but you're trying to do it without the help and the power of the Holy Spirit. Some of you are trying to witness at work. You're trying to be a good witness. You're trying to live for Jesus as best you can. But you find yourself often withdrawing. Instead of stepping up, you find yourself kind of ducking down instead of standing up and being the witness God has called you to be because you're trying to do it in your own strength using your own wisdom instead of witnessing in the power of the Holy Spirit. You see what I'm saying? Some of you guys are small group leaders and you're pretty good and I appreciate your effort, but what if instead of you trying to do it in your own strength, your own wisdom, your own experience, instead... You were baptized in the Holy Spirit and suddenly had this anointing, this power on your life that when you opened your mouth, people are like, oh my, where'd that come from? Light bulbs going off. Does this make sense? Some of you guys are in mentoring relationships. You're sponsoring people and you're doing a pretty good job, but what if you were baptized in the Holy Spirit and suddenly you were doing it and you were being a, 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 a mentor, a sponsor, and the power of the Holy Ghost was leading those conversations. Giving you, dropping into your spirit, words of wisdom, words of knowledge. What if you began to pray for people, and it wasn't even you praying anymore, it was the Holy Spirit praying through you. See what I'm saying? We're like a power drill that's been unplugged. We're doing the best we can with what we got. Come on, can you screw, come on, try it, Sean. Just try to screw it in. Come on, Sean. We need it. 
They're dying and going to hell, Sean. You got to do better than that. <laughs> now, Sean, plug it into the power source. And don't screw it into the floor, please. But suddenly there's power available to you, you never had before. <laughs> You got to know how to use the power, right? Listen, it's the same principle, y'all. It really is the same principle. We're trying to do some things that we could better do if we were doing it in the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And that's what the baptism of the Holy Spirit's all about. And some of you are thinking to yourself, man, I don't know, Ephesians 19 talked about I'm speaking in tongues. I don't even want you, I, I, I'm going to say this and I'm going to get in trouble for it from somebody who's going to hear this message that I wish I hadn't heard it. I, I don't believe, I don't believe that the initial physical evidence of the baptism in the Holy Spirit is speaking in tongues. The assumptions of God does. I, I think like, we receive salvation by grace through faith. I believe that we also receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit by grace through faith. But, what if? What if you're baptized in the Holy Spirit and you speak in tongues? Did you keep this thing? Is it still plugged in? Oh, Sean, I wasn't finished with you yet. Come here, come here, come here, come here, come here, come here. Come here. What if that drill got plugged into that power source and it said, man, I love the power, but I don't want to make all that noise. I want it to be real quiet. What would that tell you about the drill? It really didn't care about serving its purpose. It was more concerned about its outward appearance or the way it looked or the way it seemed rather than being connected to the power source and getting the job done. Does that make sense? Some of us are hung up about tongues. Don't get hung up about tongues. I want you to be filled with Jesus until you overflow with the power of the Holy Spirit. That's all. Because you know what? I speak in tongues. I'm, great. I'm glad to tell you I speak in tongues. I worship the Lord in tongues. i got no problem with tongues. But it's not my obsession. I don't fixate on it. That's a gift the Lord has given me to edify me. And I, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, and I appreciate it. I care much more about the giver of the gift and what he wants me to do with this gift. And what he wants me to do with this gift is to reproduce in my life and through my life the ministry of Jesus Christ. That's what it's about. Y'all hear me? So it's time for an altar call. Make sure you're in a right relationship with Jesus with God, through Jesus Christ. Make sure, or, or excuse me, ask Jesus to baptize you in the Spirit. Receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Whatever it costs me, all I want is you. Fourth, keep on receiving. Because when you are baptized in the Holy Spirit, it's like stepping into this Huge, amazing, glorious room 
that's filled with all kinds of cool stuff. But so many of us, this is what I've seen in my experience, so many of us are fixated on tongues that we step in, oh, that's, that's really nice, and then we just go right back to where we were. That's crazy. Step on into the room. Keep walking this thing out. The Bible says, keep being filled with the Holy Spirit. This isn't a one-time experience. This is intended for us to be an ongoing experience, an everyday experience, a 24-7 experience. The Holy Spirit just, just living and immersing, it's, and being submerged in the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. It's, that's to be our experience, our lifetime experience. Not a one-time thing where you come to an altar and say a little, you know, if you, if that's what you think it is, if, if what you think being baptized in the Holy Spirit is just being, is falling out, I've never fallen out. If Jesus wanted to do it, I guess I'd let him, but I've never felt it. But if that's all that you think it is, you've missed the point. The point's not about the experience. The point is about the ministry the Lord wants to reproduce through your life. That means the holiest moment after you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, the holiest moment for you is not when you hit the ground or spoke that gibberish. The holiest moment in your life is when you walk out the door and begin to minister in the name of Jesus. Y'all hear me? That's what this is for. That's why we're here, to proclaim this truth. That God wants to reproduce through our lives His ministry. He wants us to be light. He wants us to be salt. He wants us to be His ambassadors. He has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. He's calling us to tell others to come to the Lord. And I'm telling you, you can't do it yourself. You can't do it in your own strength, in your own wisdom. You can pull, you can draw a little bit from your experiences, but guess what? It's not going to take you very far. What you need is to be baptized in the Holy Spirit and to do the ministry He's given you to do, to be a parent, a worker, a witness, a, 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 whatever. He has given that to you. He's given that power to you through this experience and this ongoing life experience called the baptism in the Holy Spirit. He wants to submerge you in the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. Some of y'all are fighting your addiction without the help of the Holy Spirit, and you're going to lose. You're going to lose. It's too big for you. Some of y'all are trying to be witnesses to others, and I appreciate it, but you're never going to get anywhere because you're trying to do it yourself, and you need the help of the Holy Spirit. And that power is available to you. Plug it into the power source. 